Oh shit, I forgot a drink. Go get a drink. <sighs> I can't keep everybody waiting. Yes, you can. Yeah, all oh, right. I'll all right. Entertain them all. Yes. Oh, hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining in on our special spooky October 15, 2022 film photography podcast, episode 292. And, you know, today. Do you know? Remember that from the Little Rascals? Which one? Officer Kincaid. Oh no! It's like they, there was a night everybody's going crazy, and they call Officer Kincaid. I'm coming! I'm coming! I recall. That was my ode to him. I know the <sighs> episode where uh, there was like, they made a cake and there was prizes in it. Wait, more. <laughs> well, today is uh, FPP's thirteenth birthday. Yeah, thirteen years <clears throat> ago today wow. was our first episode one. Wow. 13 years like that. Yeah. For folks who write in who say, hey, I'm discovering the podcast, and they're at, like, episode one, I tell them to, like, start at, like, episode 160, work their way forward, then go back. Yeah. Because that's so far back. I mean, we're talking about stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Like what? The pack film, the Impossible Project, like, all the stuff that, you know, is now history. It's good archival stuff. It is. It's fun to listen to. Email me, and they say, oh, are you guys still giving away film? Hmm. And I tell them, like, well... Well, that kind of evolved into the school camera donation program and also kind of evolved into the FPP store, which you could buy film at the like, cheapest prices possible. So today, October 15th, is, this is the Halloween show. I hope folks very out scary. There, yeah, very scary. My name is Mike Rosso and this yes. is John Fideli. Hey, baby. We're going to have the gang here today. Yeah. Uh, upcoming, we're going to have a segment Mark Dalzell is going to come in. We'll talk about a Kickstarter. 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 Which that, one? The half-frame camera. We're going to talk oh, about Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And then the gang, uh, Leslie Lazenby, Matt Mirage, Owen, we're going to talk about, it's Leslie's topic, Memento Mori. That's photographing the dead. Huh? Photographing the dead. Yeah. Back Who's in doing the, that? Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. And when I say back in the <clears> day, <throat> I'm like, you know, like 1890. When they were using like the flash powder? Yes. To get something photographed was a big deal. And most people didn't have a, a picture of, of their loved one. So there was a service where hmm. you they would come in. But I'm not going to spoil it. I guess they had no problem uh, with their... Uh... Subject being still. No. <laughs> have to worry about long exposures. And then Mark O'Brien's going to skid in. He's going to talk about uh, the Zeiss Icon Symbolica camera. Symbolica. After all these years, after 13 years, Mike, you think that there would be cam- enough cameras here that we would have run out of cameras to talk about. But yeah. no. So many quirky, weird. So many. First up, school camera donation program. Yes. Our most recent donation is to Union College, where... I am the teacher. I have but one question for you. Can you attend my class? There will be no eating. E-A-T-I-N-G. No eating in this class. That's right. Yes. You're Professor Mike Rasso now. That's right. So Union College sent an email to the FPP about a month ago, and they were looking for an instructor for uh, introduction to film photography. Mm-hmm. And I, it was one day, it's one day of instruction per week. I said, uh, I'll do it. Wow. That's very nice of you. I put together a fleet of cameras for the students, Canon FT. Mm-hmm. Which is like oh. the Canon version of like the Pentax K1000. A bit K1, bigger thousand. though, a bit heavier, clunkier? Heavier, very metal. Yeah. And some lenses. And uh, I, the students are up to speed. They're developing their own film. Uh, in a few weeks, Mr. Matt Marash is going to be a guest. And nice. do introduction to printing. Ah. And of course, John and I are sorting through cameras and there are a few other schools upcoming. 
mm-hmm. uh, we're going to... Uh, throw some cameras down. Yeah, so, you know, folks, you, you, your donations, your camera donations, cash donations, they all go to the school camera donation program and... To help with shipping and packing as well. Shipping is insane. Insane this year. Hundreds of dollars to send us stuff. Yeah. If you go to the FPP online store, you'll see some cameras in there, and they're all out of stock. And occasionally they go in stock. And what we do is we pull cameras from the donation program, put them in the store to pay for the shipping. And, of course, then there are donors who give a monthly donation to the FPP. Uh, A few bucks. Greatly appreciated. Something to count on, rely on. Yeah, a lot of the FPP, uh, what's a good, stalwarts? Is that a good good word? That's a good word, yeah. Yeah. That's a good college word, professor. Yes, including Darren... uh, Pancho (laughs) O'Reilly. I think he's just Riley, isn't he? Darren Riley? Yeah, he's not O'Reilly. Oh. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. But Darren, if you're listening, uh, John was just commenting on the Paul McCartney original portrait that you, uh, it's watercolor. Oh my God, it's so great. It's amazing. It's perfect. You know what? I got to say, Darren, you know this, but I want everybody else to know this. I think you have to follow Darren on Instagram. His stuff never ceases to make me laugh because it's always, it's not only is it well done, like the drawings kind of capture something odd about what he's doing, but they're always just so wacky, offbeat, and, and funny. They hit a really strange nerve in me, and I always have to laugh or snicker and reach out to Darren. He's, Darren uh, I appreciate you, man. Pancho Ballard on the Instagram. Uh, the last picture he did was Michael Conrad yeah. from the Hill Street from Blues. Hill Street, it's great. I, I mean, it's, it's like so weird. It's a watercolor, yeah. and it nails it. Totally. And it's the same thing with the Paul McCartney. Like, his yeah. watercolors... <laughs> And you look at it, and you're like, oh, I can't believe it's watercolor. I mean, watercolor is a hard medium to... It's amazing. It amazes me. It really does. So good on you, as yeah. they say in your country. So thanks to all the folks who have donated to the FPP. These cameras and the donations, they are making their way out to students, which is great. So the new news uh, at the FPP online store, very exciting stuff. Wait. Of course, the big news this Halloween season is the Mummy 400. Uh, wait, what does the mummy sound like again? It's more muffled. Mm. Yes. Because mm. yes. he can't talk. Can't talk. Uh, he's all mummied up. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. If you watch either the Christopher Lee, that's the British 1950, I'm going to say 59. He talked. Color version. No, he didn't talk. He didn't? Did his mouth open? No. And then the Boris Karloff 1932 version, as well as those Clarice. 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 Is that what they did? That's the same one in uh, the Abbott and Costello one. It's Clarence. Clarence, (laughs) they call him? (laughs) Where will we find the mummy? Don't worry, the mummy will find you. Mm. Yeah. In the mummy movies, there's always like a guy in a fez, yeah, kind of manipulating the mummy, like as a goal. He's the villain. He's well, using the mummy for evil purposes. That's right. Here is new horror by the master of menace, Lon Chaney, as the mummy in the mummy's tomb. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mummy four hundred. It's our new black and white film this year. And it's it, very, you got a lot of different styles coming out on that. We got, we got the 35, something my mom would say, well, how many styles do you have? 
We got thirty five. We got one twenty. Whoa. We got four by five. Wow. Eight by ten. Eight by ten. And we even hand roll six twenty if you need it. Jeez. And it's so far the most popular mummy, and I think that's because of the ISO. People like what? speed. To strike with paralyzing terror, the despoilers of ancient tombs. We didn't shoot a little promo for no, that. No. It's all mapped out. It's all ready to go. Never too late. Get Bill down here. Exactly. He can be the mummy. Bill Hellfire is the mummy. We also have a brand new ECN2 kit. This is a new kit that, well, develops ECN2 Vision 3 color film, Mm. but also... C41. That's right. That's right. That's right. I I have fielded a few emails from folks. Thanks. I always appreciate people writing in, asking me, does it come with a Remjet remover? I can't believe that after all these years... Still talking about that. That we're still talking about the Remjet and why yeah. it took off on the web as an issue of something that you need to like be like like that, that you need to like buy a product for. And I, I just yeah. don't get it because it's color film. You do your pre wash like any other film, you do your developing, you do your fixing. And then in the last step, as I did in your kitchen, John. That's right. I was you, just going to say. You have the video. bucket. The bucket already is hot because you have to warm up your film. So you have this hot bucket of water, right? You just take your film that's developed and you literally just put it in Dunk the it. water. And with your thumb, the remjet just like dissolves away to nothing. Hmm. There is no remjet issue. Like the idea that you need to do something special or remove remjet yeah. is so, what's a good word? Rampant? Well, the idea is rampant, yes. The idea is rampant that when I tell people to use your thumb, they think I am a kook. Oh. oh, no, you need remjet remover. Some people are very particular about things. Some people get very, you know, precise about things. I think we talked about this in past with regards to developing in Mark Dalzell's technique, where he, you know, overextends his chemistry a little bit. A lot. Whereas people, <laughs> a lot. Where some people are like, that's it. You know, it says 20 rolls, 20 rolls, and I'm dumping it. Well, I think a lot of folks get upset because as you're developing, you pour your developer back, and a lot of, like, remjet little... Bits wind up we'll be in there. Okay, doesn't, but it's not harming anything. It's, it's just not going to adhere to no. your film or anything like that. Nope, it just gets a little messy. But so what? It's just not professional. I mean, it doesn't look pro. I'm sure it's fine, but it just doesn't now, look pro. Some people are like that. Now, Mark O'Brien has been going off message. Really? When I say that, I mean, I mean, we've been yes. United FPP wide, all of us here on the Ramjet. Thing. On the Ramjet, like that, you don't need anything now. Now Mark is going off. Going off message, and he's like, I use baking soda. Soda. Powder. No, baking soda. And the first step to remove it comes right off. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I used to do that at first because I had heard that you needed to. How do you do it with baking soda in the first step? And you, Before you, you pre-wash. To, oh, when you pre-wash, you put in baking soda. In the t- well, that's smart. And then you, you, you So that way the, it doesn't mix in with your chemistry, though. So. And then you do a lot more rinses. Look. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Listen, man. Just don't stress over it. That's the point. That's right. Yeah. 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 Forget about it. There are plenty of people selling products called Ramjet Remover. Uh, the other news, of course. Uh, well, how did, how did the Cine still guys get all the Ramjet off? What's their procedure? Well, they have a super secret procedure. Super and secret? They remove their Remjet before they even package their food. Right. Well, the secret is there's no secret. And the secret is <laughs> we're telling you what the secret is. And I'm sure that Cinestill does the same thing. Remjet is removed by high-pressure water. Anyhow, the new ECN2 kit, it's a great kit. The, mo- the greatest thing about it, besides the fact that it's a great kit, it's $20. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. How many rolls you get out of that for 20 bucks? You mark Dalzell, you get 40. <laughs> you 
you're reg, reg, you know, if you're regular Joe regular, Joe regular, Joanne regular, yes, then you get twenty. The key is squeezing out all the air, uh-huh. tapping it. Other big news: Lomo Kino. After many years, the Lomo Kino camera is back in stock. Ooh, and I think you have it, or it, just at Lomo. No, here. Oh. They may have it, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Lomo Kino, it's a movie camera that shoots on a 36 exposure roll of film. John just shot two rolls. Yep. Got to get those developed. Yeah, one of these days. So I'm sending that to thedarkroom.com. They're going to develop it, not cut it, send it back, and then we're one of the only facilities that I know of that offers Lomo Kino scanning because we have our motion picture scanning department. And don't I know, for someone who used to... uh, scan every frame on my Epson and then animate the frames. Oh my god. Took days. And then you're just like, eh. It's too much trouble. Yeah, it's not worth the trouble. So, but it's beautiful and awesome to have the FPP do the scanning. We don't do the film developing on still film, so mm. do you need to send your film out and ask the lab not to cut it or develop it yourself and send it to us? Mm. And you can shoot black and white, you can shoot color, you can shoot ectochrome, you can shoot whatever you want in the Kino. Yeah, everything. And uh, it's a cool little camera. And I'm going to take some of our uh, content that we shot a few years ago, John, about Lomo Kino, and then bring it up <clears throat> to 2022, which means yeah. taking whatever minute it is and condensing it. Oh. What about the film you shot with Bill and Aaron? Oh, that's Dra- on the YouTube. Dracula or Frankenstein or something? Just daughter Dracula. Daughter Dracula. Dracula. Oh, daughter. he's a wolf man. Wolf. Bill's a wolfman, remember? Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. He transforms on the grave. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, I remember. Well, actually, he's sitting on a bench. Oh. The moon comes out, and he transforms into a... I shot this Lomo Kino, folks. Yeah. Uh, the, the link will be in the show notes, right? Show notes? <laughs> <laughs> a few shout-outs before we... Uh, shout. Before we dissolve shout. to our first uh Shout. That's episode. funny, because shout is a... a, a um, Detergent. Spot cleaner. Oh. That, that dissolves stains. So that was good, Mike. Okay. Let's do a shout out before we dissolve. Yes. Uh, to So these are folks who send us supplies. All the FPP hand-rolled film is rolled onto cartridges that have been sent in by various labs. And our, the outer canisters are also from labs. So thedarkroom.com, of course, has been our, you know, number one. Number one! Supporter for so many yeah, years now. Yeah. Phil and Trev and all the good people out there. Keith. Keith. Yes. Hello, Keith. <laughs> you know about Andrew's Analog Service yes, Center? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I open up the boxes he sends in. Oh, okay. Andrew's been also sending caps and cans. Caps, caps and, and cans. cans. Come and get them, baby, with your caps and cans. And John has such a backlog of film. Oh he keeps God. saying, I'm going to send it to Andrew's Analog Service Center. I know. I'm going to. I'm going to send him like six, seven rolls right He's also need, I think, needfilmdevelops.com. I think. I don't oh, mind sure. That right? Yeah, I think so. Analogs. It's Andrew's Analog something. Or service Center. Service Center. Okay. Get, get, get your uh, tires done. <laughs> I was going to say. Get your sounds, oil checked. Sounds very, uh, what's the word? Straightforward. And, and then I received an email from the guys at Garland Camera. Kirk yeah. from Garland Camera. Right. They're in Garland, Texas. Yeah! (laughs) When I say whoa, I mean whoa! Come on down! They're a full-service center, though. Full-service center. They do it all. What caught my eye was that they do camera repair. Yeah, that's rare. And even, I don't know how big Garland Camera is, but even if it's a small store, 
I guarantee you it's big because it's in Texas. Yeah, everything's and big in Texas. Everything is big in Texas. Yeah, they do repair, development, sales, service. You need a bag, you go to Garland's. Yeah, what? Camera bag. Oh, okay. You need a tripod. Yeah, you go to Garland's. Yeah, so, by the way, these are not ads. It's not solicitations. No, 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 no. These guys are dark room, the analog service center, Garland camera. These are folks who are donating supplies. Right. To, to the, the FPP for us to recycle. The friends of the FPP. Yeah, we're saving like how much how much how much garbage are we saving by recycling this uh, stuff? Quite a lot. Yeah. Tons. Yeah, tons. When we come back, we're going to uh talk about kick a new Kickstarter. Kick. So we're gonna kickstart this episode. Fear will freeze you when you face it. The Born from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. The mummy. It sees without eyes, it lives without breath, yet its desires are strangely, madly human. The motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense. In chilling Technicolor, The Mummy. Hey, we're going to discuss, which we haven't discussed in a while. It seemed like pre-pandemic, every show, we're like, oh my God, a Kickstarter. Six new Kickstarters. Right. Yeah. kickstarter Arama. <laughs> Yeah, with Mr. Mark Dalzell. Mark, what do we got? Yeah, there's this cool new. It's a camera. It's a film camera. Um, the Alfie Titch T Y C H. That's what it's really called. Yeah, the Alfie. Yeah, Alfie. Alfie is the name of the company, and I guess the camera itself is called the Titch. Okay. Um, what is it? Well, let me tell you, John. It's a whole new kind of camera. It's a half frame, thirty five millimeter camera. Yeah. So you'll get they. He, he's advertising this like it's, like it's a positive thing it sounds like a nightmare to me to have a camera that i would get that to take 72 pictures before i could actually develop it but well there's been a lot of interest in half frame because with the rising price of film yeah i guess you know folks want to squeeze more out of their 36 exposure roll so half frame for folks who don't know since it's more like you know people in the digital realm shoot thousands of photos 72 is really not that many if you think about it. if you're doing street photography 72 goes fast so Half frame is half of your 35 millimeter frame. So your 36 exposure roll becomes a 72 exposure roll, which is very exciting for people. And on top of that, earlier this year, Kodak came out with the H35 half frame camera. It's a plastic camera. Mm-hmm. I only ordered a few for F- the FPP store because I'm like, oh, I'm like, no one's going to care about this. Yeah. Kaboom! Boy, were you wrong, huh? Everyone was interested. People were buying. Two of them, different really? different colors. Wow. People were very excited about that half-frame camera until they actually got it and they noticed that it shot half-frame. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> you ripped me off. That was a great story until the end. <laughs> if you are shooting half-frame and you are developing your own film and you're scanning your own film, it is terrific. And don't get me wrong, it's still terrific. But the catch, the catch-22 on half-frame is if you're trying to save money the lab's going to charge you an extra, some labs, not all really? labs, an extra, like, extra 10 bucks because they can't put it through the system of just scanning. If you send a 36. Oh. Yes. I mean, you could, it, it's not like it doesn't 
take rolls of 24. You can put a regular roll through it. Yeah. Then you'll get 48 or right. more. Roll. Uh, commercial lab's still going to charge you more because they have to like scan it by hand. Uh. Oh, if you scan it. Yes. I thought you were just saying processing. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, no. yeah, true. Yeah, processing true. is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these days with so or, many... But if you plan ahead and you want to do triptychs... You could just do the two frames, two half frames. Well, that would be set up. three half frames. Triptych. No. Diptych. kick. Triptych. He's having a stroke. Triptych is... Triptych What's a two one? Diptych. He, he said it in his thing. Diptych is oh, two. Oh, it's a diptych. Dipstick. <laughs> you know, if you want to shoot a dipstick. Triptych is... I mean, so... Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want to shoot a diptych... If you take... If you want to shoot... If you want... If you want a limp biscuit, all you have to do is scan the frame once and you have two you're pictures sh- on one screen. Folks, scan. if you're shooting three frames, you could tell a story. Yeah. In a, in a you know, frame. Like you're making your own, you know, oh, comic yeah. book cartoon, right? Yeah. Like your own, your own, what do you call that? Panel. Yeah. Listen. I prefer to tell a story in one frame. It's called a half frame. Take it away, Mark. Now um, that, that we know what half frame is. So now we all know what half frame right. is. Right. But the, but the downside, because I, I, I think. I don't know. I, half frame is also half resolution too. So uh, keep that in mind. Okay. You're getting half as many pixels because you're using half as much plastic. Okay. Okay. But that being said, because we have because we've all shot, and the same with like 110. Like it has a certain look to it. Right. So yeah. you can't shoot half frame expecting it to look as good as a full frame 35. You just keep that in mind that it's going to be I softer. That was a and, given. Well, but I, that's what I'm saying. Is I don't think people. Fully yeah, realize, but, but we're talking about you know people surfing a wave of popularity right now. Right? Yeah, like it's very topical right now. It's got a brand. certain, it's got that Lomos, it's got a certain look, yeah, like right. it's got a certain aesthetic to it. So that's yes. cool. But the really cool thing about this is that um, first of all, it's very compact. I don't know how he he crammed it so small, and but not only is it compact, it's got four different lenses on it yeah. that you can rotate through. Like a, I don't know what's something that rotates. Oh, like like a, a like, like a viewmaster, like a rotisserie. No, 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 no. Like the uh, <clears throat> Kodak brownie with the uh, the yeah, turret. turret turret. Yeah, like a turret. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like a turret lens on a movie camera. So it's got a this, like a plastic disposable camera lens. Mm-hmm. So it'll give you that kind of like wavy edged, you know, crappy disposable oh, camera. Lower end models. And I say crappy with the greatest. You know, Affection. love in my heart for but the, the, for that. The aesthetic. higher end model has better glass. Well, the the disposable is disposable, <clears throat> and then it's got the pinhole lens, yes. which everyone knows what pinhole is. Yeah, um, it's got this one. I don't actually know what this is. It's called a zone sieve, which makes. And he says it makes dreamy images with soft focus. And I've seen the test, which looks nice, but I, I don't know what the actual lens in it is that is yeah. doing that. Oh. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's actually just a sieve. It's not actually a glass lens in it. Interesting. So it's like a whole bunch of pinholes. Anyway, I don't even know. And then the Titch Plus uh, has the fourth lens with the two glass elements. So that's like the high quality, like proper glass lens. Okay. So I started started scrolling through this, and I was like, oh, it's cool. Half frame, cool. Oh, it's got four lenses. That's cool. But then it, it got to the display of the control, and it has like a full digital screen on the top that you can set your ISO and your – it's got um, – It's got a digital interface. Yeah, it's right. got frame counters and all kinds of cool things. Uh, uh, shutter delay. It's got like timers on it. And I was – You could do multiple exposures too. Yeah, yeah. You can do multiple exposures. That was when I started to realize like, oh, wait. This isn't just a little 3D printed piece of junk. Um, like so uh, it, it's – it's interesting. I mean, it's, it serves a very particular niche. 
it's cool that you kind of can you know, get four different cameras in one. Uh, it still has a few days left on the uh, on the campaign. When is it? It is uh, October seventeenth. Okay, two days at four forty one a.m. And it's already surpassed its goal. Oh yeah, it's way past point. its goal. Yeah, so it's so it's someone be. looking this up, what would they actually search in Google to find this? Uh, Alfie A L F I E T Y C H is the camera. The Alfie Titch. I have it here under Dave Faulkner. Yeah, Dave, David Faulkner is the guy who's who's running it. And the uh, as far as prices go, uh, the base model is uh, must be in Britain. Uh, must be English. I don't know what you call. It. What's the word? English must be in England. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody who uses. This pounds. used to be England, by the way. Well, that was not for not for years. Uh, Two hundred seventy-five pounds this for is the New basic Jersey. model. New Jersey, as opposed to the old Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're uh, not English, though. You're English, right? Um, I guess you could say more recently than you guys oh, were. I'm sorry, our, I'm, I'm Canadian. Sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Our relatives came over the gangs in New York era, right? Yeah, <laughs> fists flying, 1900s, <laughs> clinging to the outside of the Mayflower. <laughs> Time to wake this show up. Um, okay, go ahead. I'm from Canada, and then the fancy. Let's see the. Um, yeah, the, the fancy one. Is well, they got yeah, they got the four four ninety nine. Sorry, the, oh, sorry. The early bird was is two seventy five. Gone. The no, regular no, one is three hundred, and then the fancy fancy pants nope, one is four hundred fifty pounds. There's a couple left of the early bird. You better hurry up. Well, there is now Kickstarter. Well, I, th- I think we said it all. Good on you. Good luck with the Alfie Titch. Yes. Check Alfie it out. Titch. In, One more time on the spelling for a few people. T-Y-C-H. A- <laughs> A-L-F-I-E-T. A-L-F-I-E is the company. T-Y-C-H. What, as in, what's it all about? T-Y-C-H. What's it all about, Alfie? Come on. I don't know what that is. What's it all, what's about, it all about, Alfie? Alfie? Boom. Boom. Academy, Boom. Shuts down. Academy, <laughs> Academy Award-winning song written by Burt Backrack and Hell David. I don't know that one. Nineteen uh, Alfie Titch, Alfie Titch Kickstarter Titch, yes, by David Faulkner. Okay, very good. We'll be back. Horror of Dracula, Dracula, the most terrifying lover the world has ever known. Who will be his bride tonight? Horror of Dracula. Dracula, dead and yet alive for 600 years. Dracula, the human vampire who lusts for human blood. See Horror of Dracula. The greatest shock story of them all now achieves new heights of motion picture suspense. See Horror of Dracula and watch the fiend who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. See Horror of Dracula and watch those who came to destroy a monster stay to become his victim. See Horror of Dracula. But don't... Don't dare see it alone. The chill of the tomb won't leave your blood for hours. Horror of Dracula. All new and inflaming technicolor. Hey, we're back. In our next segment, I'm thrilled to turn the microphone over to Leslie Lazenby. Hello, everyone. Where she's going to be covering something called Memento Morris. (laughs) The practice of photographing the dead. And you know, it's it's also known as memento mori. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that mean, Leslie? That that means, in a sense, memorializing the dead. 
I think probably one of the most unsettling, morbid, yet strangely poignant traditions of photography, especially in the Victorian era, was the practice of post-mortem photography, photographing someone after they died. You know, in the past, I've reenacted a vignette of Coral Andreas. She was a Victorian lady photographer located in lovely downtown Finley, Ohio. Oh, she really? was a real person. And it was done at the Jones Mansion for our Halloween tour. We all had vignettes all over the, the um, mansion. And so I decided to concentrate on her. Thus being Halloween, uh, focused really on Memento Mori. Post-mortem photography is part of her services that, that she would have offered. And I found it interesting from a photographer's standpoint that um, there were some quite interesting facts. There's some observations and there are some outright myths regarding the subject. So let's have a brief start at the beginning. What is Memento Mori? It is an artistic or symbol, a symbolic reminder of the eventuality of death, but it is also a reminder of life. Doing so meant creating a likeness of a person so the living had a personal reminder of their loved one. Before the advent of photography, the only way to preserve a likeness was to have it drawn or painted. Right. That was um, expensive. And that's interesting that because the I didn't realize when you said that it was a way to remember the dead, mm-hmm. but memento mori in Latin means remember that you will die. So it kind yes. of all ties into that, mm-hmm. that theme. This um, option as far as being drawn or painted was uh, not often used after death due to the cost. Due to the availability of an artist and due to the time, you had to do this before they were uh, committed to the earth. In early photography's beginnings, having your image made was costly. Thus, the post-mortem photographs in many cases were simply because of that, because they put off having their pictures made until this is our only chance. A lot of times, too, people put off having babies or toddlers photographed because they move. Even even with shorter times, like one or three seconds, the little buggers would end up moving and this thing cost you a fortune. And so it's just another reason. We're going to delay this until they're a little bit older. Portrait studios actually in the Victorian time, every small town had one. It's it was it's wonderful to see if you research it at all. And the prices started going down because of the popularity, but because of the materials and the advancements that photography made. Now, this is kind of the the creepy, morbid part of this, but it all had <laughs> Bring to be it. <laughs> it, all, it all had to be discussed, but there were final wishes and decisions to be made with the photographer about this. And I kind of looked at it like modern wedding photographers. You hire some, and they literally come in, and you, they say, we're doing this, this, and this. <laughs> or you'll hire others that they seem like they're actually employees of the family. Mm-hmm. I can do this for you. What would you like mm-hmm. type of thing? And I, I would have bet this probably happened with the Memento Moris too. Mm. What wishes or decisions were to be made? At, at first, they were probably using a wet plate, so it probably meant they were more limited to studio, but... With the advent of dry plates, the options were greater. Our choices include location. 
going to be in the home? Is it going to be at the photographer's studio or even at the undertaker's parlor? Because at this point, undertakers were starting to actually have parlors, Mm -hmm. not just a service for embalming the body. Most commonly, it was the home because that's where the body was taken for, for, I don't want to say services, that's kind of a modern word, but for the, the grieving and that kind of thing. Where will the body be placed? Well, I have seen them in a bed, a sleeping bed, a bed. Can also be posed in the coffin itself. You'll see them on a posing lounge or maybe even stuck back in a high back chair. (laughs) Now, get ready for this one. Who's going to be in the picture? Mm -hmm. And you think, well, the deceased. Well, the deceased with siblings and babies with parents, often siblings were included because the family does not have a picture Mm -hmm. with their children together. And um, babies were, of course, often photographed typically with the mother for Mm -hmm. the same reason. One picture that really stuck me is their entire family groups. This is in a home parlor. There are family. There's extended family. The pet is in the picture. (laughs) One of them's holding their little cat. And there on the floor in front of them is the little body all stretched out. I know. Doing this, they had copies made of these. Mm. And they were often sent to friends and family who were at a distance or who could not attend the deathbed. Uh, There would be a discussion about was something that I call props. A little theatrical, but props. What would be included in the image? Beyond the above-mentioned family members may include for a child a favorite toy or a little book. Adults often had tiny little photo albums or Bibles in their hands, um, jewelry. When they started to go to undertaker shots, they might set up a row of candles behind or even include flowers in the picture. If you see a picture with a pocket watch in it, that is almost 100% a memento mori. Mm -hmm. They would stop the hands on the pocket watch when the person died, and it would be included in the picture. Oh, that's smart. Uh Uh-huh. And sometimes you see those on tombstones. You see images about memento mori, whether it's a skull or a clock. (laughs) You said that night this flashback on um, uh, Lemony Snicket. Yep. The book titled the, Memento the, Mori, the isn't kid, there? No, the kids went to Memento Mori High School. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Now we got to photograph the body. We know where we want it. We've decided what's going to be on it or who's going to be in it. But often the photographer moved that body to window light because it was softer than flash powder. The final image was to represent a time when they were living a time when there was no pain or death pallor, but it was not to falsify that that person was alive. It was just soft light, really, to to ease the harshness of death. So we made all these decisions. I've made my image. I zip back to my studio, my dark room, and um, I do any retouching that's necessary. And then typically, after the body was committed to the earth, they would deliver this image back. And for me, maybe for many too, that would be the hardest part because I would hope that I did the very best with my equipment. 
I would hope that I paid attention to every detail and that I had respect for the family and the deceased. So I'm sure you know that there was a lot of emotion seeing your loved one that you've just put in the ground days before seeing them again. Unless, of course, there was no loved one involved. Such as when photographers were hired to photograph what I call the famous dead. Customers may be lawmen needing an image to prove that they actually killed someone and collect a bounty. Oh. Or if they were famous enough, they're going to sell those prints. Maybe even like to a newspaper back east or somewhere. Now for the lawmen, because I've seen, I don't know if this is considered a memento mori photograph, but I've seen hangings. Pictures of, of, of hangings. That's interesting. From, like, I mean, Civil te- War. It, it is. Right. We have pictures of the, the Lincoln. Uh, uh, right. Uh, to prove that that person is dead. They, yeah. they photographed it. Jesse James was a prime example. And my personal favorite, only because of name, was Dirty Dave Rudabaugh. Dirty Dave. <laughs> dirty Dave Rudabaugh. They, they were Why was he photographed. Dirty? Do we know? I, well, out west, you know, it wasn't the shower around every corner. But uh, Undertakers also at this time, especially when it was close to a city at all, often displayed these bodies right in the front window. You only had so long Mm -hmm. to do this. Um, So they would hire the photographer to take the picture, and then they would sell them uh, or supply them, sell them to newspapers, things Mm -hmm. like that. But now it's a little twofold. You shoot somebody. Or you, shoot, you shoot somebody. You, you uh, get somebody like that into to embalm or at least prepare for death. Who's going to pay you? So maybe they're just recouping a little of their cost, right? Families also too may have asked either the undertaker or the uh, uh, lawman for proof, because you don't know how many times the newspapers would say that. They've got Jesse James, and it may have been an impersonator, a poster. Something just looked like it, and they just guessed. So fake news is nothing new. Right. Yeah, Elvis still alive, that kind of thing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. Actually, uh, he and Janis Joplin are in Ohio, in Findlay. Uh, They've been seen many times. But many claim a post-mortem image of anyone that has their eyes closed. Or if they see a Brady stand. Now, if you don't know what a Brady stand Mm -hmm. is, it is that little legged stand, a little um, bar up the back, and it has a little neck rest on it to help you hold still during a little bit longer Mm -hmm. exposure. But if you see a Brady stand and someone's standing, eyes closed or not, they're alive. Right. A Brady stand simply cannot hold the weight of a a, person. Exactly. Exactly. More than likely, a full length deceased person was photographed in a coffin that was propped up children and babies as i mentioned before were often photographed sleeping um so it's hard to tell sometimes whether it's a true memento mori or it's just simply that situation if your if your child fell asleep Mm -hmm. before the photograph it was almost like yes because i mean you gotta let's face it what is more beautiful than a sleeping child Today, post-mortem photography still plays a part in modern imaging. More often, it is used for documentation, autopsies, paparazzi. Think of selling deceased images of Michael Jackson, Mm -hmm. Prince, to the Inquirer. One other decision that they had to make 
was, are the eyes going to be open or closed? Mm. It's not pretty if somebody's been dead for a while. I just think, I don't want them looking back at me while I'm shooting this. Mm -hmm. But... If they're open, they're open. They're closed, they're closed. Good photographer could always change that later if the customer mm-hmm. wanted it. Oh, I saw Martha's kid had their eyes open. I really wish I'd have done that. I can take care of that for you. Sometimes those are just a little creepy when you mm-hmm. when you see that those are drawn on eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're sitting down making all these plans. Okay, now let's talk about the eyes, open mm-hmm. or closed. It's just a, a lot of trauma that went on with this, you know, more than just the family and the deceased. But um, today we see we see all this. I've got a stack of Memento Mori photographs here, copies that I brought for the table here to see. But we look at these, and they, to us, are just morbid. And for some, they're collectible. But I can tell you, at the time, they were nothing more than a treasured possession. Mm-hmm. They offered comfort. In this day and age of image overload, can you imagine only having one image of someone? And that's that. Think about it, won't you? Memento Mori. What is the protocol for family members who owned a camera mm. of photographing? Well, as cameras became more like a family-owned, a family camera, what is allowed or yes. okay to when, sh- when shoot? When I used to... Being a lab that processed film, we very much on occasion would have family pictures, usually in the funeral home setting. Right. You know, after embalming and all that. It's not not that uncommon. And a lot of times they did that because, same reason, they meant to have copies made to share with people who could not attend the funeral. What were the years we're talking about of of? You know, Classic the, Memento Mori? Yes. Well, they started with the, the daguerreotypes. So they started in like 1840. And I would say went up really through the Victorian, slightly into the Edwardian era. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of thing. Seems very Victorian. That's like it it the does. And time. I would say you know, 1910s, 1920s, mm-hmm. it definitely was yeah, not. We've, we've got Memento Mori of funerals in the 1930s. You do? Yeah. Big I mean, yeah. Oh, the big ones. Yeah. 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 I'm channeling John Fideli. Mm-hmm. What a cost. Yeah. I don't know. How much? How much? How much? I don't know. It would be like hiring a photographer for really anything else at the time. Oh, Matt has a question. Is this a service that the Jones Mansion offers? <laughs> no. Even though one of Jones's daughters was in the oh. uh, gold parlor. I kind of thought I should have been there, too, when I did this presentation, but I chose the green parlor. <laughs> this was an ideal situation because this was um, kind of during COVID, so all the chairs were spread apart. Mm. We only allowed small groups. I stayed way to the front. I did my whole presentation through a mask, mm-hmm. except for one. I had a lady that read lips, so oh, okay. I had to pull it yeah. down. Mm-hmm. But um, it was interesting. We got together afterwards in one of these big parlors, and we're all in the four, far corners. But Well, Memento Mori. Thank you very Actually, much. the Jones Mansion has their own coffin now. Mm. And I think one, everybody should It's have one. one of those cool ones with the glass panel on the front oh, so that you can actually yeah. make sure the dead is dead. And if you're looking for a casket, remember you can get them at Costco or through the Sears catalog. Or from Kiss. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, Leslie. You're welcome. Holy sheesh. Come on, Chick! Come on! Come on! Wait a minute! The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified but hilariously. Stop! 
the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange, in the spookiest laugh fest on record. We're back. Hey, we're I think you could still buy in. John, we t- earlier in the show, we talked about Kickstarter. Yeah. There's an Abbott and Costello Kickstarter for the Abbott and Costello show. I think that'll still be going. remastered. Yeah, second season. Yeah. But you can go in and you could like buy in to the first season. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You missed it. If you missed the first season, I highly recommend. The transfers look great. There's so many uh, extras on it. Yep. They're reaching goals left and right. They are. On the second one, geez. They have all sorts of like... Stuff Lost like, episode, and yeah. Bring scripts. in, bring in some guy to do a voiceover, yeah. To do a commentary, the guy that the Costello family calls when they get questions about Ron Palumbo, right? Yes, I think he may have. I think he may have spoke at at, at that. Uh, remember when we went to go see Evan Costello meet Frankenstein? Yeah. Or whatever? I think he may have been there. I think that may have been the guy that spoke. Was that where was that? That was at the AMC Theaters in Essex Green, no, in West Orange, New Jersey. I remember you telling me your children were scared after watching Yeah. It. The opening credits freaked out my son. Oh. We're that's part of the movie. <laughs> it was great. I'm like, I promise you the rest of the movie is not this scary. So that's really it. We're going to see you in one month. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Oh. P.O. Box. Two six four Fairlawn, New Jersey. I was almost going to say. Lo- I was almost going to say Lodi. Lodi. So long ago. That, that was for the uh, Midland Showcase. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Halloween Takeover. Oh, is uh, is streaming. So far, it's only it's so far it's on Momitu TV. What the hell M O M E T U dot TV. That's weird. What, what is that? Is if that have, like a voodoo? Yeah, if you have Fire Stick or you have Roku, you can get it. Halloween Takeover. Yeah. That's the only place it's shown? Uh, there might be another, another place that's showing it. Oh. I'm not sure. And what else? Oh, just any other Halloween-y stuff? Uh, no, have a great Halloween. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.